On July 27, the federal judge ordered the, quote, compassionate release of three Hudson Valley men uh, known as a group called the Newberg Four. After finding that FBI agents uh, participated in orchestrating a conspiracy against these men. Is this isolated or is this a pattern with the FBI? This is Randy Osborne. Worldview Truth. On July 20, actually 6, 2023, a federal judge ordered the, quote, a compassionate release of three Hudson Valley men who were part of a group that was known as the Newberg Four. And this conviction was back in 2010. Many people may remember uh, when this happened. Uh, The judge found that the FBI agents used, quote, unscrupulous operative to persuade these men to join a plot to blow up synagogues and bring down military planes. In Judge McMahon's decision, this is what he said. Quote, a person reading the crimes of conviction in this case would be left with the impression that the offending defendants were sophisticated international terrorists committed to a jihad against the United States. But he goes on to say this. However, they were in actual reality, hapless, easily manipulated and penurious petty criminals. The judge went on to say that there was a gentleman by the name of Mr. Hussan, which was a FBI informant. Just to help you with that, uh, the FBI was paying uh, this person, uh, Mr. Hussein, to basically uh, set up um, these other individuals. So in 2007, the FBI commissioned Mr. Hussein um, to find some individuals and give them an offer of $250,000 to participate in a jihadist mission. So Mr. Hussain met with a gentleman by the name of Mr. Uh, Kramati, and after uh, months of persuading him, he finally convinced him uh, to participate in this and try to recruit other defendants or other people uh, to participate in this terrorist act. This entire plan was completely concocted by the FBI. This was not something that somebody um, had already made discussions on doing. This was something that the FBI had an informant to completely concoct. Hussein convinced a Mr. Kamadi uh, to find some other individuals and made promises of as much as $250,000 if they would participate in this plot. So Mr. Kamati uh, found some other low-level, petty criminals uh, to participate in this endeavor. So the FBI convinced, or I'm sorry, the informant convinced uh, Mr. Kamati to recruit other individuals uh, very specifically so that they could um, charge him for conspiring. According to this federal judge, though, um, quote, she said the real lead conspirator was the United States, or i.e. the FBI. So the entire plan was concocted by the FBI through Mr. Hussein, which was their informant. And Mr. Hussein, um, they basically um, set up a plan to bomb Jewish sites in the Bronx, 
fire stinger missiles at military planes at Stewart Airport near Nuremberg, New York. The bombs, in fact, were um, left outside the synagogues. Um, they were fake bombs, and they were built, built by the FBI. In fact, they um, actually had these individuals go across the state lines to look at these weapons and these bombs just specifically so that they could add charges onto them uh, through the federal government. I just want to remind you that this entire plot, entire plan was completely orchestrated by the FBI. Judge McMahon went on to write, the FBI invented the conspiracy, identified the targets, and manufactured the ordinances. And to add on federal charges, they ensured that they would drive across state lines to Connecticut to actually view the bombs. While Judge McMahon basically said that the government did have legitimate interest in identifying and capturing terrorists, that these individuals could have never dreamed up such serious criminal acts on their own. She went on to suggest that the government had undermined, quote, respect for the law by sending a villain like Hussein to troll among the poorest and weakest of men, end of quote, to offer of much needed cash in exchange for committing a faux crime. Unfortunately, over recent years, this is not isolated with the FBI. In many states, there are statutes that actually prohibit or make it unlawful for um, entrapment. And in fact, Florida statute 777.201 says, defines entrapment, it takes place when a law enforcement officer improperly induces or encourages a person to commit a crime that under normal circumstances he or she would not have committed. Under federal law, and actually case law, it's defined as entrapment is a complete defense to a criminal charge on the theory that the, quote, government agents may not originate a criminal design and plant in an innocent person's mind the deposition to commit a criminal act and then induce commission of the crime so that the government may prosecute. And that was actually a case, uh, Jacobson versus United States um, in 1992. I'm not an attorney, but that sounds like entrapment to me. And it sounds like the judge's uh, comments uh, also would infer that. In October of 18, 2010, the U.S. Attorney's Office, FBI, <clears throat> Southern Division of New York, uh, put out a, a statement or a press release on this conviction. And this is what it says. It says, quote, homegrown terrorism is a serious threat. And today's convictions affirm our commitment to do everything we can to protect against it. The defendants in this case agreed to plant bombs and use missiles they thought were real weapons of terrorism. We are safer today as a result of these convictions. We thank the members of the jury for their time and diligent service. And they go on to talk about that. Again, the FBI completely concocted this whole story. They made it up. They got people to, they convinced people, petty criminals with lots of money, $250,000, uh, to commit these acts. They <clears throat> made the bombs, created the plan, 
make sure they go over state lines so that they can impose federal crimes. All for what purpose? That's the question that we must have as citizens of the United States. You may remember back in 2020, back in um, October, um, that there was a, quote, a plot to kidnap the governor. It's a Democratic governor in the state of Michigan. I'm going to read a New York Post um, on this incident uh, by James Bovard. And this is where the story pretty much begins. Whitmire, which is the governor, enraged many Michiganders by placing the entire state under house arrest after the outbreak of COVID-19. Anyone who left their home to visit family or friends risked a $1,000 fine, and business owners faced three years in prison for refusing to close their stores. Unemployment soared to 24% statewide, but Whitmer's policies failed to prevent more than 2 million Michiganders from contracting COVID, which that is a totally another story, and we'll get into that at another date. Whitmer was denounced at protests and on Facebook page of the Wolverine Watchmen, uh, which were angry anti-government bluster poured forth. Facebook chief Mark Zuckerberg Zuckerberg testified to Congress in October 2020 that Facebook had identified the Whitmer kidnap plot as a signal to the FBI about six months ago regarding suspicious activity on our platform. But at that time, the plot didn't exist at that point. That is until multiple government paid newcomers joined the group. Stephen Robeson an FBI informant with a list of felonies and other crimes organized key events to build the movement. Dan Chappell, another FBI informant who was paid 54000 became second in command and masterminded the military training for the group, even as he helped the feds wiretap their messages. Though several militia members explicitly opposed kidnapping the government, the governor, Chappell and Robeson, helped hatch a ludicrous plot to snatch Whitmire from her vacation home and take her away for trial. FBI operatives took the participants who uh, pratted ideology about stealing a Black Hawk helicopter for drives near Whitmire's vacation home, which supposedly proved they were going to nab the governor and unleash havoc. It was all a setup. Shortly before that excursion, an FBI agent texts instructions to Chapel. Mission is to kill the governor specifically. There were as many FBI informants and undercover agents as there were purported plotters in this case. The conspiracy began unraveling even before trial began last March. Robert Trask, the lead FBI agent in his public face of kidnapping case, was fired after he was arrested for beating his wife during an argument um, over some inappropriate activity in a, in a hotel. The New York Times reported that. Two other FBI agents were sidelined from the case for misconduct, um, including creating a side hustle um, with his own cybersecurity firm. When the arrests were announced in October 2020, a top Justice Department attorney proclaimed that the case showed that our state and federal governments are working together to keep us all safe, end of quote. But the case actually 
illustrated how the Supreme Court and federal judges have entitled federal agencies to create the crimes they claim to thwart. So in this case, what happened is the FBI, or specifically Facebook, identified a group in Michigan that were, let's say, trash-talking the governor because of um, her lockdown initiatives. So Facebook contacted the FBI, and FBI uh, put together operatives and informants to create a concoction to kidnap and or uh, kill the governor of Michigan. Then after they put all this together and they get a couple people that's involved in wanting to to do this or convincing them to do this, uh, more than likely, what they end up doing is um, then they come up and say, look how safe we're making our country. These domestic terrorists, they're terrible. And we have once again thwarted uh, a domestic terrorist attack, which they themselves are the ones that created. The writer goes on to say that the Times reported in January that the Michigan case was, quote, one of the most significant recent domestic terrorist cases, a test of Washington's commitment to pursue far-right groups who seek to kindle a violent anti-government insurgency. FBI Chief Christopher Wray told Congress last year that the FBI has 2,000 ongoing domestic terrorist investigations. And the article goes on to say this, um, how many additional crimes or conspiracies is the FBI uh, fomenting at this moment? Will Americans ever learn what role, if any, the FBI had on going forward some of the arrest of the January 6th Capitol clash? And what about Team Biden's efforts to continue to expand the definition of dangerous extremists to sanctify its power? Um, how about identifying school board um, events where parents come out and exercise their constitutional rights and then they're identified as domestic terrorists? Or perhaps how about um, pro-life organizations um, that are promoting pro-life initiatives are being attacked as domestic terrorists and arrested by the FBI. This is Randy Osborne, and I will be right back. Worldview Truth. This is Randy Osborne. I want to introduce to you a new podcast called Worldview Truth. Worldview Truth discusses conservative issues and battles that are important to you that you will not hear on mainstream media. Please follow, like, and share Worldview Truth with Randy Osborne. Thank you, and God bless. Worldview Truth. Two of the four men were actually acquitted um, in a conspiracy to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020. The jury's verdicts against uh, two of the individuals were read in the federal court, and the case was presided over by District Judge Robert Jonker. Uh, jurors said that they couldn't agree on the verdicts again against Adam Fox and Barry Croft. The prosecutors described Fox as a ringleader in anti-government group. Basically, two of them were acquitted, and the other two was a hang jury, um, which they could possibly be retried for that. So now let's go on to 
Discuss January 6th. What was the FBI's involvement in the January 6th alleged insurrection? I want you to listen to Senator Ted Cruz um, before a hearing. It was a Senate Judiciary hearing um, specifically with the FBI and the Department of Justice concerning the January 6th events. And I want you to listen closely uh, to this hearing. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Mr. Olson, how many people have been charged with crimes of violence in connection with the events on January 6th? Senator, I'm not sure exactly how many uh, have been charged with crimes of violence. I know that there are many. Okay. How, how many have been charged with nonviolent crimes? I don't have the numbers of people charged, whether at the state or federal level. I know that. Okay. There have how many people are currently incarcerated concerning the events of January 6th? I don't know the number of people incarcerated. Again, I know that I, I How do many have- pe- Okay, let me ask you that. Look, we have right. limited time, so I don't want you to filibuster. You either know the answer or you don't. How many people have been placed in solitary confinement concerning the events of January 6th? I don't have any information about that, Senator. You know, Mr. Olson, I will say it was sad. Senator Lee just asked you about this. Back in June of 2021, Senator Lee and I and two other senators sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking these questions, asking about the differential prosecutions. Let me ask you, during 2020, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots all across the country, there were over 700 police officers injured by Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots. How many people have been charged with crimes of violence concerning those riots all across the country? I don't have information on how many, I, I would say, you know, hundreds of people, as Ms. Sanborn. You would say, but, but you don't know. You know, when we asked you why the Biden Department of Justice has such wildly disparate standards, going after January 6th, targeting some people who committed crimes of violence, and anyone who commits a crimes of, of violence should be prosecuted, but also targeting a lot of nonviolent individuals, we asked you why is it that you won't target the rioters and terrorists who firebomb cities across this country. The answer we got from the Department of Justice was shameful. On October 22nd, you came back and said, quote, the department has dedicated investigative and prosecutorial resources commensurate with the significance of these events. By significance, I guess it means the political benefit to the Biden White House. And I will tell you, there are a great many Americans who are understandably deeply concerned about the politicization of the Department of Justice under President Joe Biden. What he's doing here is he's setting up uh, the disparity between the the issues with that happened with Black Lives Matter, and then he's going to start targeting coming back to the January 6th events. So listen carefully. It's been 218 days since we sent you that letter. DOJ refused to answer the letter today when Senator Lee and I asked you about it. Your answer to every question is, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. You're under oath. You may believe at the Department of Justice that you are unaccountable to the American people, but that is not the case. And the wildly disparate standards are unacceptable. Ms. Sandberg, I wanna turn to the FBI. How many FBI agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I 
can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, did any FBI did agents any FBI or agents confidential or informants confidential actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Excuse the Did any FBI here. agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. The FBI can't answer those questions? Listen to this. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well, there are a lot well, of people who are understandably very concerned, concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. Wow. The next day. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. She can't answer that? Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals in the bottom there is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted and then sometime later, Magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of a public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. What's amazing is he asked that question earlier, and she said, I cannot answer that. Then he turns around and asks it a little bit different, but basically the very same question, and she says, not to my knowledge. Understand, those are just questions that were asked about a gentleman by the name of Ray Epps. Um, he hasn't been charged as of yet. Um, according to sources, he's apparently going to be charged, but he has not been charged as of yet. Um, so the question is this, I mean, is he? It's a question. Was he an informant? Was he involved?
um, as some type of informant with uh, the FBI or Department of Justice. The other question is this, two pipe bombs that were planted during the January uh, 6th event. I'm going to read a transcript that's actually coming from the House Judiciary Committee uh, concerning the, the pipe bomb investigation. And this was released on June 14th, 2023. And I'm actually reading from the Judiciary Report. It says this, in his transcript interview, Stephen D'Antonio suggested that the FBI could not even determine whether the placement of the pipe bombs was a diversionary tactic, diversionary tactic for the events of January 6th. And this is what he testified. Mr. Massey, are you familiar with a diversion thesis that these were set up to be a diversion? Answer. Yeah, I've, I've heard people say that, but if you watch, I've done a lot of media reports. I was trying to get the information out there, tips and stuff like that, right? I will not speculate. I'm not going to speculate on that. I think that's speculation. At best, when people say that there's a diversionary tactic, well, uh, never know until we find the person that actually did or persons that actually did it. So I can't speculate on that. Could I have, could have been? Yes, that's one theory. Obviously, that's one theory, but it's the only theory. I don't really know. Mr. Massey looks like the head Capitol Police believes it was diversion. Answer. So Steve Sund, chief of police. Yes, I believe he wrote that in his book again, it's pure speculation. There's no intelligence. Look, I ran the investigation for two years until I stepped out. We don't know. We don't know, even know the gender at this point as to we could speculate. There's a lot of people that are speculating as to the gender. Mr. Massey, how confident are you that the individual um, depicted in the surveillance footage on January 5th set both of those pipe bombs in place? Answer. So the video that we saw, I feel confident that by the video that we have that the person planted those. Mr. D'Antonio provided testimony about the viability of the pipe bombs, which, according to reporting, were deemed to be inoperable. While Mr. D'Antonio referenced a report from the FBI laboratory, Quantico, Virginia, that the pipe bombs were viable and they could explode and they could cause harm or death. Mr. D'Antonio also acknowledged that the timer used in the pipe bomb could not have detonated the pipe bomb given the time already elapsed between the placement and discovery. He testified, Mr. Massey, well, let me ask you this. Do you think that it was technically possible for a kitchen timer that has one hour duration to detonate a bomb 17 hours later? Answer, no, I don't. And I saw the same kitchen timer as you. I agree. I don't know when they were supposed to go off. Maybe they weren't supposed to go off. We can't, we don't know. We honestly don't know, and that's some of the pain. Mr. D'Antonio's testimony provided additional details about the FBI's use of geofencing technology to identify the pipe bomb suspect. He testified. So the there's a lot of phone data that came in, yes, I've seen the same video. I've watched the same video. We put out the same video. It looks like a phone 
Was it a real phone? Not a real phone? Was it a ruse? Was it, you know, I picked up my phone several times at meetings going, oh, yeah, I got to take this call and wait, walk out, right? The phone, the phone's not on, right? So was the person just sitting there trying to pretend like he was on the bench talking on the phone? We don't know until we find the person, right? And ask them those questions. We did complete geofence. We have complete data, not complete because there's some data that was uh, corrupted by one of the providers, not purposely by them, right? It's just unusual circumstances that we have corrupted. We have corrupt data that from one of the providers. I'm not sure. I can't remember right now which one, but for that day, which is awful because we don't have that information to search. So could it have been that provider? Yeah, with our luck, you know, with this investigation, it probably was right. And he goes on, um, Mr. Antonio D'Antonio also testified that he did not uh, definitely know if the FBI had interviewed the individual who discovered the pipe bomb at the DNC. He testified, uh, so to put a fine point on it, do you know whether they interviewed the person that discovered the pipe bomb at the, at the DNC? This is a um, Democratic National Convention. I don't know, committee. I don't know. Mr. D'Antonio uh, conceded that it would be investigation 101 to interview the individuals who discovered the bombs, yet he was unable to confirm whether the FBI had taken that basic investigative step. He explained, Mr. Massey, so, but the person who found, you either haven't identified the person who found the second pipe bomb, or did you? Answer, I honestly, sir, I don't know um, the granularity of everything my agents and analysts did in that manner. It's just like it's a whole host of stuff that's going on. It's the assistant director in charge, as like any senior leader, I'm getting briefed on things that part never came up. So Mr. D'Antonio's testimony raises concerns about the FBI's hand of the pipe bomb investigation more than 890 days following the placement of the pipe bombs. To date, the FBI has failed to respond to the committee's request for a briefing regarding the investigation. So we don't know who placed the pipe bombs, even though we know a lot of information. There's a guy sitting there with a cell phone near the pipe bombs, but the cell phone was off, even though he was acting like he was talking on the phone. Um, there's video, but some of the data has been corrupted, so nobody knows. Uh, kind of like uh, who left their cocaine at the White House, maybe? It seems like it's pretty amazing the information that can be gathered when it's needed. But when we don't want that information, it's amazing how we can't find it. It seems like it's kind of like a lost sock. No matter how hard you look for that lost sock, um, to get that pair matched together, you just can't seem to find it anywhere. This is Randy Osborne. Until next time, God bless. Worldview Truth. 